Fake Spike Podcast. I believe we are on episode 45. Thanks to Zebrahead, as always, for the music. And uh, Vort, we'll do a nice quick one tonight. We don't have that much to talk about. A couple of little things, and then we'll do our predictions. And then, uh, you know, we'll go enjoy the game and talk again in the next couple of days. How are you? I'm good. Just uh, cautiously optimistic. Can't get much worse than it got last week. So, <laughs> you know, let's, uh, no. let's see if he can do a little better this time around. Yeah, let's let's hope he certainly can't. Well, I guess he could do worse. Don't 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 send the challenge out there to the gods. But all right, two quick things um, before we uh, before we actually give predictions. Uh, the Denzel Mims thing we didn't mention that this week, and um, apparently Mims, he, you know, there's rumors he he hasn't been able to learn the playbook. He's a bad route runner. Uh, he he doesn't play special teams. So without being able to run the routes and and um, you know, play special teams. He can't get in the lineup. I find it there's got to be something going on because I find it hard to believe that a guy at his height and his, uh, you know, his his athletic ability that you can't find something for him. Jump balls in the end zone like the Plaxico Burris rolls something. So I don't know what the deal is there, but it looks like he's inactive again tomorrow. Uh, I know we've touched on this a little bit, but I I don't remember if we talked more about it. I don't remember what your thoughts are, but give me your thoughts on Denzel Mims. Listen to me, it's. It's disappointing all the way around, and there's no way around it. Mims is, uh, this falls on Douglas. Uh, so, you know, if he doesn't pan out, if he's already in a new coach's doghouse with no way out, this falls on Douglas. This guy had some potential. You don't want to say that uh, he was supposed to be the next uh, Calvin Johnson, the next Randy Moss, but there was definitely enough hype that this guy can be a good weapon for years to come. He showed flashes of it last year, not enough. Uh, there was not to me personally, there wasn't a definitive answer to say this guy is it or this guy is a bust. But boy, oh boy, I, I'll be lying to you if I said going into this season, he wasn't the guy that I was pretty much the most excited about. I was also excited about the rookie kid more. But with Mims having that second year experience, I was very, very excited what he's uh, what, uh, what he's going to show us. And so far, it's just been a giant mess. Something has to be sorted out because, um, correct me if I'm wrong, was he a second or third round pick? Uh, he was a fairly he was early second. draft pick. Second, yeah, yeah I he remember. Was a second he was round there. pick, yeah. So to have Douglas miss that badly on a guy that we kind of, I don't want to say penned in, but we certainly penciled him in as this is uh, somebody we can pencil into our lineup for the foreseeable future. And now all of a sudden to follow up the map completely. And uh, I also read what you read, but uh, I'll, I'll say I'll, I skimmed it. So seeing that the new coaches already were really disappointed with whether it's his work habits or whether his dedication to the playbook, uh, never a good sign. And uh, just I have a lot of questions, but a lot of questions about the whole situation, but mostly right now, I'm choosing to take the angle of a fan, just keeping my fingers crossed, hoping he, uh, Mims gets that little bit of maturity that everybody coming in, into the NFL needs, hoping that strikes him. And I hope the coaches see enough, and this is just a little bit of tough love as opposed to really writing him off and saying he wasn't uh, he wasn't my guy. Uh, Joe missed on him. He doesn't fit our system. He doesn't fit our culture. That would wor- that's what worries me the most. If Salah decides that the kid doesn't fit the culture, that's when it's going to be a lost in draft pick. But again, I'm just going to take the approach of a hopeful fan, keep my fingers crossed, and hope the meeting of the mind occurs where he shows the willingness to mature and the coaches show the willingness to not write off a second-year guy with some promise. And uh, hopefully by the second half of the season, we're going to see something 
legitimate, but it has to happen because look, the NFL is, uh, and I'm sorry that I'm rambling. I'll definitely let you chime in, but look at how cutthroat the NFL is. It's just, it's such a doggy dog league. Look, while we're talking about Mims, Nobody on the Jets roster is talking about him. All that happened is Brandon Barrios saw an opening and he's running with his opportunity to keep himself in the lineup. It's just it's just so hard once you fall down the pecking order to get it back. And it's an example of that, but I certainly hope he can find his way back into the lineup. Like you, I didn't expect him to be Randy Moss or Calvin Johnson. Obviously, I don't think anybody really did, but there is that little bit of confusion as to how he can't even get in the lineup. I mean... How is it not? I mean, you, you can have a sixth receiver for five receiver sets in case of injury, something. How is he not even able to dress? So that's confusing. At the same time, like you, again, I also have to let Douglas take a hit for this one because he did draft him in the second round. And obviously, you know, if if he can't even get on the field, then there's something there, whether it's a, he's he, he's not smart enough for the playbook or he's got an attitude problem, whatever it may be. And Sala comes in and, and now, you know, second first year coach with the second year guy and is like, sorry, sorry, boss, your, your guy sucks. I'm not going to play him. Now you flip that around and and kind of playing off of what you said about it being a dog eat dog league is I kind of like the fact that Salah is tough enough to say this if this guy can't do what I need him to do he's not going to play so I, there's a little bit of that discipline and and it's my way and it's got to be done and I'm I'm not going to take any prisoners kind of thing so I I kind of like that in a way I just don't like it I don't really want it to be him you know I, was, I had high hopes for this guy he looked really good when he got back on the field last year after the injuries. And, uh, you know, the one pass they had thrown to him here, he went up, got it, managed to almost get in the end zone. So I I, I can't pretend to have any idea about what's going on there, but mm-hmm. it's it's just a weird, unfortunate situation. Mac, I apologize. I, I have to jump in. You touched on a point that I didn't look at. And as soon as you mentioned it, it was like a light bulb moment of what a fantastic job by Salah. Because exactly like you said, it's not easy to come in. This guy is a second-round pick by your GM who just hired you. You're trying to obviously have a cohesive relationship. You want to be on the same page. What a tough situation for a first-time coach to, if obviously we're just playing, uh, we're purely guessing here, but what a tough position for a new first-year coach to come into a Super Bowl-winning GM and say, boss, this kid is just, he's not getting it. He's He can get on, for what we're trying to build, he's not a fit. Uh, again, we're hoping that doesn't happen. But all the credit in the world to Saleh if he had to do that, and that's how it went down. Because one of the toughest things in in the league is to it's becoming a players' league where it's more about ego management and stroking their personalities and having the approach to the player on a personal level, on top of being a good X's and O's guys. And a lot of coaches don't get that; they're still with the old mentality, and they seem to be falling off. These new coaches who understand the approach that you kind of have to show them lo- uh, tender love and care, show them appreciation that you care more about them than just tackling dummies who show up on Sunday. But it makes it tough to make a decision in front of the whole team to basically actions speak louder than words. And Salah's actions are showing that Mims is not cutting it right now. And I am not afraid, guys. As much as I love you and I care about you, results on the field matter. And I'm not afraid to make that decision. I still love you. I care about you. But you're not going to dress if you can't provide the needs that I need and the coaches as a whole need for the team as a greater good. Yeah, there you go. I am um, sorry. I lost track for a second. I was getting our, our prediction sheet ready. So no. I'm like, yeah, okay. And he stopped talking. There's nothing going on. Um, 
I, I, totally I just I, I give that. credit to Salah that uh, it, yeah. it's not always easy to bench a young guy with promise and he's doing it and he's kind of sticking to it. So God bless if that's the situation and that's the guy that he's putting his foot down on. I, yeah, I no, I got all of that. I, I totally got all that. I just didn't think I didn't I, I didn't expect you to, to be done when you were done. My bad. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. Uh, the other thing I wanted to touch on is the dude, dude. I mean, this has been a tough week. We we knew this would happen if Donald got off to a good start and the Jets didn't. But the mass hysteria of this fan base with the "I told you so"s and we should have kept Donald and I I knew he was going to be good and I, I, you have to see the insanity that's going on in, in the jet groups now. And this is obviously representative of the fan base. It's not like it's only Facebook jet fans. This is, this is obviously what the jet fan base thinks. And there's one guy in one of my groups that, that we went back and forth a little bit this week, Barry, if you're listening, I love you, man. I've grown to like this guy. I don't know him well, but we've, you know, we're friends now, not just in the group. We talk, whatever. And I was kind of giving it to him a little bit because he made a post that basically said, um, you know, I, I, you know, those of us that um, that knew we should have kept Sam are, you know, I think whatever the case was, people are going absolutely crazy. And after the first game, I was not impressed with Sam. I still have not been. I mean, mate, you can give him the credit against New Orleans. He's not playing great teams. He and and he's never been a horrendous quarterback, but he he's he's never had the tools. Now he's got the tools, and he's he seems like he's a pretty good quarterback, but. Not only forget a second the business end of it with the with the rookie contract and everything else, but I am I don't want a pretty good quarterback. I still don't see anything in Sam that says he's getting anybody over the hump and is going to carry them on on his back and be that guy. Now, if you want to aim for better than what we have, then sure, we made a mistake getting rid of Sam. But that is not the goal here. The goal here is to build something with a guy who can be one of those greats and who can make this a contending team all the way. Now, you and I have spoken about that. Apparently, the rest of the fan base doesn't agree because that whole, you know, Sam is better than what we have thing, like, you know, like a fourth-year quarterback is a good comparison to a rookie in his second game. It's just, it has been a, a brutal, brutal week for someone like me who who has who took the emotion out of it and looked at this from a different perspective and, and to realize so many people don't understand what the Jets have done and are looking at it based on a, a two-week sample size. It's just it's it's mind-boggling. I'm glad you touched on this. It's something that I wanted to discuss as well. Here's the two things, the positives. I will give Sammy Darnold all the credit in the world. He's looked steady. He's looked solid. He has not by any means looked like an all-pro or a pro bowl or a Super Bowl winning quarterback for that matter. He has looked solid. You know what? He's getting the wins. They're 3-0. Solid on a new team is good enough for me when you're winning. So I give him credit there. Two things of note. Number one. The next three, four weeks, we're going to find out what Sam Darnold is truly about because McCaffrey is now out. You can make yep. an argument that McCaffrey is, if not the best, then he's certainly in the conversation as one of the three best offensive players in the NFL. He simply does it all. Now he's out. Let's see how Sam Darnold does without him. Let's see when he has to be the main weapon, the main focus. It's no longer McCaffrey, number one. Number two, listen, if he is good and he leads into the playoffs, God bless him. I give him all the credit. I didn't hate the guy. The matter of the fact is, as an honest fan who's a mature fan, who's seen a lot of quarterbacks at this point in my life go through the Jets system, he can turn out to have a decent career. He might even turn out to have a very good career. It was never going to happen in New York. You could see it in his body language. You could see it in the kid's eyes. He was done. He was mentally shot. The media, if he was 3-0 in New York right now, but the media would still be nitpicking at him. It's, it was one of those situations where he wasn't going to survive New York. 
both parties needed a change of scenery. New York needed to move on to what you said. Not a guy who is showing flashes and the promise, but we need to find a goddamn franchise quarterback. We can't keep going through coaches and blaming this coach, that coach, third coach. Next thing you know, the same quarterback is under a fourth coaching regime. You can't have that. Every coach and GM wants their own guy. So it was just... It was a perfect separation. It was a mutual separation. There was no grief. Sammy badly needed a change of scenery, and the Jets needed to go. And for those of you who are saying that look at uh, Sammy now, number one, they haven't seen enough. Number two, over the past two years, what did you see from Darnold? And you're actually, this is coming from a guy who was for the most part until the bitter, bitter end, I was a Darnold defender. For the longest time, I was telling you, Mac, maybe we should keep him for another year, pick up an option, but the financials didn't make sense. You couldn't risk finishing something like 5 and 11, 6 and 10, and going into a year now saying, Sammy, bye bye. But we're not in a position to draft one of the top two or three QBs this year. Whatever that may be, it was a perfect separation that needed to happen. I think everybody is a winner. The Jets got the young guy they were hoping for, and the next quarterback we're going to ruin in New York. And Darnold, <laughs> still a young guy, fresh start, starter, well-deserved, looking good, doing good. Good for everybody involved. Yeah, I totally get the frustration and the and the desire to say I told you. So I do. I get that whole, we let this guy go, and you know there was always some talk of him maybe turning the corner with a decent coach and then he goes there and of course he's three and oh god forbid he just looks decent you know but no he's three and oh he's been playing pretty well and to top that off our team is freaking as awful as it's ever been and we're coming off a game where the team looked like it did last year with a quarterback who, who was supposed to be the guy having a bad game so i totally understand the frustration and the urge to say i, I knew it i knew i shouldn't have done this but it is way Way too premature at this point. Way too premature. You have no idea what Wilson's going to turn into. You and me, I mean, have have said a dozen times that the first three or four games and maybe more this year because they've changed the whole structure is going to be feeling things out. And that's for teams who have been together. This is a new coach, a new staff, a new half the players are new, the quarterback is new, half the line is new. It's going to take them time. And it's not an excuse. It is not It is not like de- de- blindly defending them. It is just facts. It is going to take time for them to gel. Now, at the end of the day, they may still suck, but you cannot rightfully and justifiably compare Zach Wilson and Sam Donald now, not only because of all of that, but because one of them just kind of played his second game ever in the league against a coach who destroys rookie quarterbacks. And the exactly. other one is in his fourth year and and got a monkey off his back. He got he got away from the worst coach in certainly in Jets history and maybe in NFL history. He landed he, with and, the best offensive player in the NFL at his disposal. Right. And and has a good coach, a good line. He's got talented receivers. He's got everything he didn't have in New York. And he, you know, good for him if he does. But at the end of the day, and I'm going to try and explain this one more time. Hopefully it's the last time I ever have to talk about it. At the end of the day, the Jets made the right decision. Even if Sam Darnold goes on to be Tom Brady and Zach Wilson is mopping floors at Walmart in three years, it was the right decision for the Jets at the time. And the reason for that for the 600th time is salary cap and regime. It was timing and finances, all of it, all of it. The Jets would have had to pay 
what, 30 something million dollars over two years to keep Sam Darnold. Now, if you get hired as a guy and someone else drafted Darnold, you're in your you know second and a half year as a GM and your choices are to start your choices are basically to roll the dice. Okay, you're in Atlantic City. Are you going to go for something that that is a long shot, or are you going to go for something that at least you have control over what you want to do? And obviously, if you haven't picked up on that, I'm talking about Joe Douglas. Joe Douglas is in a situation where he had to pay a guy for a couple of years and roll the dice on his own career on a guy who had shown absolutely nothing. When he now had the opportunity to go and get his own guy and at least write his own ticket to start fresh with a guy that that could potentially be something. At the end of the day, that is an easy decision if there is any, I don't want to say common sense, because I don't want to insult anybody. I understand this is an emotional thing, and I've managed to learn to take the emotion out of it. But if you if you take a step back at all, that is an easy decision. You don't roll the dice on your career with somebody else's guy when that guy has shown absolutely nothing and, in fact, has shown like negative effects. You know, Sam Donald at the end of last year had had been so bad and had and it's not like it's not like he was just bad and was worse and getting better. It was the opposite. He started out okay and was getting worse. Sam Donald did not show any reason that you could potentially you know risk your career, roll the dice and pay all that money to keep him. You know, you would have hamstrung your cap, you would have done this, you would have done that, but at the end of the day, Sam Donald was not you know, the, the speculation, and that's all it is. And now it's kind of bearing fruit a little bit, but it was speculation that the coaching staff was was the only reason that he was bad. Okay. We all knew that he was destroyed, but you don't know how much of a job it was to get him back in shape. So at the end of the day, easy decision, the correct decision. And no matter what happens, if Darnold turns into Brady two and 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 Wilson sucks balls, it was still the right decision for the Jets. We can then look back and talk about the Jets lock in the curse and they keep hiring bad guys. Yes, but decision wise, it was the right decision. And two games in is not the time to start saying, oh, my God, I knew what I told you. So you didn't know anything. You didn't tell us anything. You, you, you're you basically taking two two games of a sample size and saying that that your assessment of two careers was correct. And it's just not this it's not possible i i agree with everything you said the last point that i wanted to make on this topic and like you i i just want to move on because for me also seeing sammy darnold undefeated is it's not that it's killing me it's killing me knowing that all these horseshit fans who only see as far as the as far as one game at a time that's their whole season and they'll argue with you until the, the end this is my point I was a Sam Darnold defender. I liked him. I thought he got a raw deal being stuck with Adam Gaze. New York just did not properly develop him. I felt sorry for him. I felt bad for him. I defended him till the end. The reason why I wasn't willing to die on a hill yelling, we have to keep Sam Darnold, is number one, in his third year, no matter how young he was, he was still making rookie mistakes. He was making terrible, inexcusable reads. The accuracy just wasn't there. You could see mentally he was bad. Now, put yourself in the shoes of Joe Douglas. If you're still questioning his decision and his mindset, you're bringing in a new coach. Coach was fairly in demand. We are all excited about the coach. Part of bringing in your own guy, your own coach, is you want to be on the same page. You want to have the same plan going forward. Would you tell this coach, this hotshot coach you're bringing in, which line would you sell him on as far as coming to the Jets over potentially one, two, or three other teams that are still chasing that coach? Are you selling him an idea that we're getting a young, fresh quarterback who is eager, who is coming into the league? Let's try to make him the next star. 
Wow, sounds exciting to me. Or are you selling this coach an idea of, listen, we have a young quarterback. He looks like shit. He's mentally in the toilet. I don't know he can rebound, but listen, maybe you can coax it out of him. Let's go. Uh, No, no, no thanks. Yeah, not to mention an absolutely horrific press that will shred every move you make. And if the and if you know Donald comes out of the gate and has a bad game or two, then the pressure goes on and he's lost. That's done. That's the thing people don't think about is if Donald had stayed here and we rolled the dice and paid him this money and Douglas is out of here in two years because Donald sucked, then he he rolled the dice on, on someone else's guy. But if you know the point I'm trying to make is if Donald came in here and these first two games with this line and this everything, Donald probably would not have been that much better than Wilson. He would have been yeah. better, but not that much better. The Jets would still be 0-2. They would be being crucified in the press for keeping Donald and not going after yep. a quarterback. You know, and Zach Wilson would probably be picked by who would they trade? They would have traded with, you know, the Eagles or whoever. And then, you know, Wilson would probably look like Donald does now. Yeah. And we, we this 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 is this has come down to voodoo and, and the Jets curse and the Jets are never going to get it right no matter what. But that doesn't mean that they shouldn't make the right decisions when they come up. And one other point I wanted to make based on what you said is about um, you know, looking at Donald and being this or being that. I don't give a shit. Good for him. I hope he does well. Like I hope anybody else does well. I'm certainly not rooting against him, but his, his play has nothing to do with me, my team or anything else. The only thing that annoys me about it is all the freaking jet fans going crazy with the, I told you so because I I will tell you this. I, I will look at these groups every day and I would say that maybe a third of the people in the group were, were for keeping Sam Donald. And now all of a sudden you would think it was 92.6%. It's ridiculous. So I, I just, whatever, I don't care what Sam Donald does. If he turns into a, if he turns into a, a winner, good for him. It has nothing to do with me. I've sat through Keyshawn Johnson walking out, winning the Super Bowl, Belichick winning a Super Bowl, Revis winning a Super Bowl. If Sam Donald does it, it's just another freaking, you know, another mark yeah. on the freaking, it's another notch on the belt. Who cares? He's not my rival. He didn't leave here under bad terms. It was just time no. to move on. And uh, all these fans who are now yelling that he was the guy that we should have kept, if he stayed, 0-1 would have been panic. 0-2 would have been Armageddon. And Joe Douglas is the worst GM to ever walk this planet. So yep. shut and up. I bet you, I'm willing to bet that half of the people who are screaming about Donald now would have been talking about how we should have got rid of him. You don't often have a chance to pick up a franchise quarterback at number two, blah, 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 whatever. Of course. And I want to so go, yeah. And yeah, I'm already ahead. on the record because we've done these things, but I want to go on the record of saying I was all for trading the pick and big, picking a quarterback up a little bit later. It didn't have to be Zach Wilson, but I did know and agree with Sam Darnold not being here anymore. That that was just a no-brainer considering what he looked like, and you can't necessarily take a chance on rehabbing him if he's not your guy. And and I know I keep saying that, but it, that's just the reality of the situation in sports is you don't you don't ride someone else's horse. Unless, of course, you're LeBron James, then you ride everybody else's horse. <laughs> Let's try to talk about the present and let's yeah, jump into our let's third game of the season. I believe we're okay. traveling this week and we got the Denver Broncos with another ex Jet quarterback, Teddy Bridgewater. Oh, that is another one. And people are still saying, I don't understand why we didn't keep Bridgewater. I actually saw a guy on Facebook the other day say, I don't understand why we didn't keep Fitzpatrick. And I was like, are you really seriously bringing this up six years later? Six years later, you're asking why we didn't keep Fitzpatrick and Bridgewater. What the hell has Bridgewater done for the for the couple of years he's been away from the Jets other than be a serviceable, you know, low-end starter, high-end backup kind of guy? What has Bridgewater done to make us wish we still had him? That, that is the Jets fans mentality. mentality. 
Of course, but people love him sentimentally because he had that horrific injury. I'm a fan of Bridgewater. I'm not yelling, oh my God, we lost the the next Joe Montana. Uh, but people fall in love with him for sentimental reasons. He had that horrific knee injury where he had to miss almost, I think, two, maybe three years. But I think it was two yeah, years. Yeah. Uh, and he came back every time he wins a game. And look, look, he's always been a very good quarterback. I read the MO on him. He's smart. He t- takes care of the ball, doesn't have a cannon of an arm, but just a smart quarterback. You surround him with talent, he'll produce. Lack of talent, he probably is not going to win too many games. And that's kind of been his MO. He hasn't, you can't say he's been a definitive winner. He's been solid. He's been absolutely loved by most of the locker rooms he's been at, or at least from the reports that I read. So good for him. Again, he's uh, he's solid. He's serviceable. He's good enough to start on a lot of teams, not all teams, but a lot of teams in the NFL. Uh, I think he's a perfect transition quarterback. Teams that want to win now in the Teams that want to have a chance to win, to fight for the playoffs for the next one or two years, and then go to another direction of a younger guy. Uh, and that's kind of, listen, that's how he's going to hold on in the NFL for another 10 years. God bless him. But I don't think anybody is giving him that record-breaking contract and saying, wow, Teddy, I can't believe you've been floating to four you know teams what, in five years. You're our guy. You know what Bridgewater is? And he's all of the things you said. There's the sentimental thing. There's the this. There's the that. He is a solid quarterback. And I am a firm believer that if he was more than a solid quarterback, he would have a chance to show his stuff and someone would have gone with him by now. So basically, Bridgewater is a solid, you know, a very solid. He is basically like like Tyrod Taylor, you know, like like a yep. guy who is not going to lose you games, but you are not you are not sticking him in there to win you games. Maybe even like maybe, uh, you know, Fitzpatrick is another one, even though Fitzpatrick has that much more of a downside. But he's another one. He's never going to get you over the top, but he will hold down the fort to you know until the next guy comes along or if you're a rebuilding team and you don't have your guy but here's what Bridgewater is in Jets fans minds he's the guy that got away because he is quote unquote better than what we have and that is the the Jet fan from from the 80s until now when I've been following them 40 years this is my 40th year anniversary following this mess of a train wreck 40 years of it's better than what we have and that jet fans have been kicked so many times that they 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 strive for mediocrity they they we, you know mediocre is such an improvement for us that that's what we're looking for we're no longer looking for good we're no longer looking for great we're no longer looking for you know, consistent contender. We are looking for better than what we have, and we will never ever I'm pounding the table again. I will never ever win with trying for better than what we have. Yep. Bridgewater is better than what we have and have had, but he is not the guy. And there is no reason to be sitting around crying tears and and squeezing your tears out of your napkin because Teddy Bridgewater is still playing and winning a game here and there. There's just no reason for that. Yep. People are acting like because a guy starts a season two and oh, three and oh, four and one. These guys can still finish the season 7 and 10, 8 and 9. Like, relax, relax. Don't treat the first three games of the season like they've cemented themselves as a three-year dynasty. Just calm down. But uh, we've, see, we've seen that plenty with the Jets, 6 and 1, 8 and 3, and they end up 500, missed the playoffs. So, I mean, whatever. You know, let, let every ex-Jet quarterback – I, oh, that's 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 a great point too. Let every ex Jet quarterback, but every ex Jet coach, Jet fans have that you know we shouldn't have let this guy get away thing. But other than you know, I mean, a f- couple of guys, you know, James Farrier and a couple of these other guys, how many people coach or especially not coaches, but how many people coach, player or otherwise, have really left here and become complete and total superstars to be like, oh my god, we can't let them go. Even the ones that we let go, 
that are good that we decide not to sign. The Jamal Adams is in the, you know, the, the, you know, Sheldon Richardson, Muhammad Wilkinson, all of these guys, none of them go on and be sustainable superstars forever and ever. It's, it's just, yep. we, we, we we seem to think that if guys would have stayed because they were good and we didn't do this or they, they turn out to be serviceable somewhere else that, that we somehow could have made them better. No, we would have made them worse, just like we do with everybody else. The Jets are a dreg of a franchise for a reason, and people – People need to learn that that the only way this is going to turn around is like the Red Sox. You know, they were terrible. They 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 had this curse, and the only way it did was this ridiculous comeback that kind of just like broke the broke the mold and got the monkey off their back. The Jets need a drastic change. This this incremental. Let's aim for nine and well, I guess it's nine and eight now. Ten and seven, nine and eight. You know, and and play for wild card is not going to work. You have to go for broke. You have to go for it all. You know, as my father used to used to always say, he still does occasionally. Aim for the stars because you land in a cloud you cannot just aim for the lower half of of yep. good or mediocre you'll never get anywhere like that agreed so on okay. that positive note that. what are you feeling this <laughs> week what are you looking for what are your thoughts about the game in general i think um i, I think the jets are going to play a little bit better game you know for a little while but uh, you know, i have seen far too many teams jets especially go into denver and and run out of run out of gas with the with the um with the a mile high air out there, you know, the altitude. And I think what will happen is the Jets, obviously, they could be worse, but I don't think they will. It can barely get any worse. I think they'll come out. I think they'll make some adjustments. I think they'll look pretty good for a little while. They'll hang in the game, but I think that that air is going to get them and the Jets' defense is going to get tired. And, um, you know, and I think that I think if the Jets are close, it still ends up being a sizable victory. If they get blown out, then it could be completely ugly all the way through. But that, that's just my feel. I just feel like the Jets um, can't can't. They're no longer playing Belichick. You know, they, you know, Zach Wilson, hopefully is coached well and is smart enough to realize he can't keep just tossing the ball in there. And, you know, you and I talked about this on the last one is, is this is, this is the NFL now. It's not college anymore. You're not, you're not going to throw the ball through these guys and, and hit these tiny little windows. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta play smart. And, um, but I, I just don't see them winning this game against, against Denver on the road. If they were here, I would give them a shot, but I, I'm, I'm thinking they're not going to win. That's just me. How about you? Take care of the ball. Make the make the short dump off. R- tuck it and run. Sometimes still make the occasional big throw that can't completely disappear from your game after one bad outing. So again, we've hit rock bottom. It is what it is. We knew there's going to be some really low lows with the young team and the rookie quarterback. Let's now slowly start digging our way up. I see it being a low-scoring game where the Jets' second-half elevation being in Denver and the, the general inexperience of the team will show. Uh, I think the defense will do good because we're not facing one of the premier offenses, so I think they'll keep the game manageable and under control. But in the end, I think the Jets fall short. Uh, I see them scoring a touchdown on a couple of field goals, so I'll give the Jets 13 points and two touchdowns, two field goals for the Broncos, 23rd. 20 to 13 20 for the broncos 13 for the jets is my prediction for this week that's your realistic view yep okay so let me put that on the realistic um okay what is your best case scenario you think the jets can win this game under any uh, uh, not not any given sunday but do you think the jets win this under any normal circumstances yeah yeah i just i don't i don't I see Denver as that team that can beat anybody on any given week and can lose to anybody on a given week when the team when all the cards fall right. I don't think the Jets are this atrocious team that you can 
did you need the Sunday miracle and a touchdown Jesus for them to win? Uh, if the, the, the best case scenario is it's a low scoring game and the Jets eke it out at the end of the late field goal and end up winning something like 22-20, uh, 21-19, something of that nature. So a close win. And to me, that'll be a positive on so many levels. Obviously, the big one is let's get the W. Let's get that monkey off the back of Salah. Let's get her off of Zach Wilson's back and stop talking about it. And the second thing is if it's going to be a close game, that's really, really invaluable experience to win a close one on the road. That'll go a long way to building a lot of guys' confidence and just the general experience in the league. So my best case scenario is a nail-biter of a win on a late field goal. What's your worst case? Worst case scenario is we lose by more than two scores because, listen, last week... Everybody knew it could get ugly. It could get ugly in a hurry. Bill Belichick is just that coach who lives to torment rookie quarterbacks. But that should also be a valuable lesson to get better, to review the tape, see the holes. So if we lose and it's not competitive and we're just playing out the string in, in the fourth quarter, maybe even the second half, that'll be disastrous. So obviously I'm thinking something like mid to high 20s for the Broncos. We'll say something like 27 and the Jets with 13 to 16 points. So if you lose by two touchdowns, two plus touchdowns, that, that'll be pretty bad. If you're talking more than that, uh, I'm getting really nervous. Uh, Denver is not that team that should do that to us. All right. So what's your score for worst case then? Worst case scenario, I'll say 27-13, two touchdown loss. It's it's pretty ugly to me. And it's right. a non-competitive 27-13. Okay, well... I am going to say that my best case, and I don't see the Jets winning this game without like completely shocking me, you know, and I would be completely shocked if the Jets played a great game and won this game. So barring that and barring the, you know, any team could beat any team any given Sunday, um, I, I say the Jets keep keep the Broncos 20 and under. Uh, Jets put up a couple of points, and I think the Jets' best case scenario is that they they lose, you know, twenty to ten, twenty to thirteen. I'm going to go twenty ten. That to me is the best case is that they didn't give up a ton of points. They, you know, they stuck it out and and were never completely out of the game, but still weren't within reach. My realistic case is that the Jets probably hang fairly tough, and um kind of you know they, they kind of run out of gas in the second half so i think realistically the jets lose this by a couple of scores i'm going to say 24 to 9 is my is my realistic case that's a um, realistic okay that's my realistic i think denver i think you know the jets defense if it gets if, if the offense plays okay but doesn't play great and the defense is on the field a lot like it was last week Never mind the turnovers, just a lot. And they get worn down in the second half. It could turn into a track meet. So let's say it's, you know, it's 13, uh, 13 6 or 10 6, whatever, something like that in the first half. And, and the Broncos open it up a little in the second half because the Jets get tired. I, I, could, I could see them putting up a couple of scores, you know, 20, 24 to 9. And I think the worst case is something similar. Um, Jets get tired in the second half, but but the offense is not there, and then the, and then they lose by you know three scores, twenty seven to three. I'm going to say is my worst case. I, I originally had oh, thirty wow. to three, but I don't think um, I don't think that um, you know I, I don't think the Broncos put up that many points on the Jets. The defenses look pretty good, so I think the worst case is is the Jets don't put up any points. The Broncos do. The Jets get tired, and and it just turns into an ugly game in the second half. I say no matter what, the Jets are outplayed in the second half. Of course, I. I hope I'm wrong. I would like to see a win here, but I just don't see it happening 
in Denver. It's a, it's a tough place to play, uh, especially early in the season when these guys are still trying to get into 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 shape. And Denver, if you look at stats over the years, Denver's got a ridiculous record at home in September. It's just, I mean, they, they barely ever lose at home in September. So I just don't see the Jets hanging in this game for longer than, you know, a two and a half quarters maybe. And then it depends how ugly it gets after that. All right, what do you got Zach Wilson doing? All right, I've thought about this and I'm going to, Obviously, the last game showed that he's not yet ready to be that quarterback that miraculously outperforms everybody's expectations, kind of like a Justin Herbert did last year. So I'll take it down a notch. I'll be realistic. I'm going to say I'll say he completes 17 passes on 30 attempts, so just above 50%. Uh, I'll give him... I think he's going to be consistently in the range of 220 yards this season until second part of the season when they might open it up. So let's go with 17 for 30, 229 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions, and 20 yards on the ground. Okay, 20 running. All right, got it. Uh, who's your MVP for it? Just say the Jets, regardless of whether he win or not. Who's going to be the yeah, best player yeah. on the Jets? Uh, the best player of the Jets is I'm going to keep riding the hot hand and I will go with the my my boy Brandon Barrios. Uh, listen, he's been the, uh, he's been that security blanket for our quarterback. He is playing within himself. There seems to be a place on the offense for him. So I think he's going to have another solid outing, especially now that we discussed earlier today. Mims seems to be the odd man out for now and Crowder seems to be doubtful. Uh, I think there will be plenty of touches for, um, for Barrios, and uh, he'll make use of them again. Not only will I pick him to be the Jets MVP, I'll say he'll have six catches for 86 yards, and that'll be it. He's not going to be the touchdown guy. I haven't decided who that's going to, but I think six catches and 86 yards will lead the team and be enough to be the Jets offensive MVP tomorrow. All right, and... Third straight week, we have a, a, the opposing quarterback to talk about. It was Darnold, and then it was Mac Jones. This this week is another one of the uh, – he's better than what we have, guys. Teddy Bridgewater, what do you think he's going to do? Uh, I think he's going to play another smart, secure game. I see him finishing 23 of 29. Uh, I just believe he's a very accurate, very smart guy who prides himself on ball security. Uh, Yardage-wise, I don't see him going crazy, so let's put him uh, at 240. And uh, I believe he's going to have one touchdown, no interceptions, and he's not much of a runner. I'm not even going to give him that. Under 10 yards, but uh, one touchdown, no picks, another well-controlled game. All right. I have Zach Wilson um, somewhere in the... 19 for 36 area. I think he's going to throw a lot because I think the Jets are going to be down. So 19 for 36. I don't think he's going to be super efficient with those passes. So I'm going to say he's only going to throw for 213. Sounds like a good round number. I think he throws for zero touchdowns because I don't have him scoring one. And uh, I think he's going to, I think he'll throw in an interception. I don't think he's going to have a bad game, but I, th- I think he's going to throw one interception. Um, and let's say he runs for 23 yards. Okay, my MVP for the Jets, I'm going to put him on defense. I think the defense is going to play well. I think they'll run out of gas second half. But so far, the guy no one has talked about is Bryce Hall. Cornerback was supposed to be a late first, early second round pick a couple of years ago. He hurt his ankle and had to have surgery before the draft. Jets got him in the fifth round. 
came up late last year and played fairly well, and he's been he's been great this year. He's one of the top five guys in the league so far. They're not throwing in his direction, um, whatever, whatever. I think Bryce Hall will have a nice game, show off a, a little bit of the you know a little bit of the late first, early second round form, and um, you know I I think he goes for an interception and let's say you know couple a couple of pass breakups and and whoever's whoever's his um whoever his uh he's covering is, is not going to have a big day whether that's Sutton or well Judy's out so Sutton who you know whoever else I think Bryce Hall is is the Jets MVP and lots then, of props to you on that pick because the defense gets forgotten especially on the losing team so uh lots of props throwing that name out there giving them some recognition let's hope he performs that's a very interesting yeah, name to well, put out there well, let's. We're not going with the MVP is probably the, the, a bad term to use here. We're we're going for who's who's the brightest star on a very That's, dim. I was going to say, let's call galaxy. it the shining star of the <laughs> yeah. shining star of the day. Yeah, the, the shining star in the dim galaxy. It's a little, a little yep. uh, like, like like some kind of like weird Asian Asian folklore thing. But okay, <laughs> Teddy Bridgewater, I don't think is going to throw as much. I think they're gonna they're gonna do a lot on a lot on the running game. He'll throw a bit. I don't think he's throwing more than you know low twenties. I think he's gonna he's gonna go he's gonna go sixteen for twenty one. Um, I think he'll go for one hundred and eighty nine yards, one uh, two TDs, one interception. Let's let's say that that sounds good. I'm not going to even bother giving him running. He doesn't run. So, um, so that's it. 16, 21, 189, two TDs. I, I like you. I look at this as being a low-scoring game. You might even get a defensive touchdown from from Denver. Um, who knows? But I, I think it's going to be fairly low-scoring. I don't think either quarterback has a big day. Uh, I think Bridgewater is much better when he's efficient and manages the offense rather than throwing out big numbers. I just don't see that happening. That's a and very I mean, low efficient day, 189 yards. Wow, I'm, I did not expect you to go that low. I was a little yeah, stunned, to be honest with you. Yeah, I don't see him having a, a big monster day for 300 yards or anything like that. Now, he, he might have a big second half if the Jets defense does get tired. So, you know, my whole my whole thing has been that the Jets defense gets tired and Denver opens it up. So he might throw for 150 in the second half. But um, I'm, I'm going to go with this and say that Denver, Denver runs the ball more. And, uh, you know, he, he's efficient, but not spectacular. So that's all I got, man. We uh, This is a little bit longer one than I thought. We did a nice job here. Just about uh, 45 minutes or so. so. My man, enjoy the game. And uh, we will talk over the next couple of days. Looking forward to it. Enjoy the game, my man. Have a good